This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Like I've said to you guys from the beginning, uh, we're just controlling what we can control. I understand that this is a process, and I'll continue to make decisions uh, with the information that I have. Tonight, you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for the season at team headquarters in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome into the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura and the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion, Gerard Cherry, the sideline reporter for your Cleveland Browns. And Gerard, the 53 is set. We had the initial 53 come out on Tuesday. One waiver claim made by the Browns as they brought in quarterback Kellen Mond. They released Isaac Rochelle. He is back, though, on the Browns practice squad. So the 53, as of now... Mm-hmm. is set to get ready to go to Carolina and take on the Panthers on September the 11th. So let's just talk right now real quickly, initial impressions of the 53-man roster. Well, I'm impressed by the fact it's actually 25-25 far as offense versus defense, and then you have your three special teams players with your kicker, punter, and long snapper, because I just knew, Nathan, it was going to be a situation with Kevin Stefanski being a offensive-minded head coach that it would be a situation with him calling plays, obviously, that we'd have more offensive players because a lot of times, and I'm not saying Kevin is the guy that does this, but sometimes coaches abuse that power when they're more offensively oriented in their play decision-making and things of that nature. So to have it balanced at 25-25 was interesting for me because I had a feeling it would be more than that on the offensive side. So that was one thing that definitely stood out to me. And actually, Gerard was 24 offense, 26 defense, skewed to your side of the ball before they made that waiver claim on Kellen Mond. And I think when we looked at it and you say to yourself, okay, six defensive ends, that was a position where you knew maybe a change could come. You look at 10 offensive linemen, I thought that was a spot where maybe the Browns would be able to make a move as well. Uh, How surprised were you that there are only two tight ends on the 53, David Njoku and Harrison Bryant? Very surprised because typically you keep three because you never know what's going to happen in the course of the game. But at the same time, when you consider what we were dealing with during the course of the season, preseason that is, no guy really stood out and took the, took the bull by the horn, if you will, and controlled that position. But fortunately enough, some of the guys, as you're aware, got brought back to the practice squad and they'll get opportunity to try to make the 53-man roster. But that also may be a, a telltale sign that, This idea of us running 13 personnel for sure is going to be out the window. And we will, I'm sure, run 12 personnel for those who wonder what that means. One running back and two tight ends. That's obviously a probability because I think, if anything, Nathan, we're going to be in that more so than anything. Because at the end of the day, in my mind, because I'm looking at the receiver position as well and what we did not do there, is that you're going to see Bryant, you're going to see Njoku, and you're going to see a lot of Cooper getting the majority of the balls passed their way. I think you're right. And one thing that I think the Browns are going to take advantage of are the updated practice squad rules for 2022. So to your point, yes, they have Njoku and they have Harrison Bryant on the 53, but they brought back tight end Miller Forsall as well as tight end Zaire Mitchell Payton on the practice squad. Now you can elevate a player from the practice squad to your game day roster three times. 
before you have to subject them to waivers. So three free ads. So the Browns basically could have a third tight end or even four on the active roster if you had one of them for the first six weeks without having to do anything to their quote-unquote 53. So I think the Browns right there and Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta and Kevin Stefanski are being smart about it. For example, Herb Miller is on our practice squad. Play a little chess. Yeah, Herb Miller is on our practice squad. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he is active for right. week one because he's our best gunner. So they're going to use what they have on that practice squad to be a part of that active roster and take advantage, I think, of some of those rules. You brought up the wide receivers. No moves were made at wide receiver. Um, the Browns will go into the season with six wide receivers, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, Mike Woods, and then Demetric Felton is called a running back, I think, because right. of the number he wears, but he right. actually is a wide receiver. So six wide receivers there, it's still a room. While you've got six guys, it's not a room that you feel maybe is complete and certainly not a home run or one of the elite rooms around the league. But if you're going to be in a lot of 12 personnel, it's a lot of two receivers on the field. You'll be in some 11, which is three receivers on the field. What do you make of this room? How confident are you? And, and what do you need to see in the first few weeks of the season, let's say, to, to get you comfortable with this room? Well, I need to see what I did not really see in the preseason. I need to see guys step up at the position. I need to see guys take command of the opportunity that they have. It just can't be, though it will be for the most part with the opportunities thrown their way, Cooper and Joku and Bryant. But I need Donovan Peoples-Jones to assume that role and not just be considered, well, he's a 2. Be a 1A. Be a 1B. Great opportunity for you and for Schwartz and for Bell. The same thing applies as well. And Woods, you you made the squad essentially you did great week one of, of training camp, but after that, due to injury, and we understand that you weren't playing anymore, but you can't rest on that. Please don't do that. And I, he has to have him for, for his mind. Here's a great opportunity for me to assume that three spot. It's wide open right now in the wide receiver room for guys who can get the opportunity to elevate themselves on this roster or be demoted. So if I'm in that room, I'm supporting my teammates and all that. And, and all that entails, but at the same time, I have to be thinking, what am I going to do to make sure that they see that I'm consistent, that I want to go out there and make plays, and I could be that pleasant surprise? Because right now, I'm telling you, defensive backs are not fearing our, our, our they're not fearing our receiver room. They're not. And, and how you change that? Schwartz has to start running by guys and consistently catching the football. That'll help the cause. And Bell and Jones, obviously, too, just have to start making plays. But they haven't done it yet. They're unproven. So they have to go out there and obviously prove themselves. Yeah, and I think Anthony Schwartz, we'd all agree, is the key because of that vertical speed. And it was a rough preseason. He's been great in practice. He's got to be able to take that to the field. And that'll be something that I know the Browns certainly will be keeping an eye on as this season progresses. I want to talk about maybe one of the best stories uh, of this initial 53-man roster, D'Anthony Bell. 25-year-old rookie, was out of football for a while, wins a national championship at West Florida, who just started their football program in 2016. He wins a national title in 2019. He's the first player from West Florida ever to be in the NFL. And, and, you know, goes to the Shrine Bowl, meets Jeff Howard. They have a bond. He comes here. And to break in as an undrafted free agent in that safety room when you've got John Johnson, Delpit Harrison, and then Rich LeCount, who was drafted last year, you know, that was a daunting thing, but it was his belief in himself, his belief in Jeff Howard. He comes here. He's basically from day one, and it's one of those things. You have guys who flash early in camp, and then it fades as it goes mm-hmm. on. That was not right. the case. Forces two fumbles in the preseason. He's the second oldest defensive back on the roster, even though he's a rookie, which is mm-hmm. hilarious. It's just an unbelievable story, Gerard. And, and if you think about, I mean, it really is a one in a million. He's the first undrafted free agent to make a Browns team under Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. The first. 
Mm-hmm. It's just a wild story. Yeah, and I love every element of the story. I love the fact, and I, and if you think about it, Nathan, the maturity of being 25 as opposed to 20, 21, or 22, it makes a huge difference. And how he approaches the game with that consistency that I keep talking about with our other younger players that play receiver. This idea of being consistent and understanding your opportunity and what it represents. And, yes, it is one heck of a story, and we need these type of stories, and you want these type of guys on your roster from a culture standpoint as well because these are the type of guys who are not going to take it for granted, you hope. And with him, what you saw on a regular basis, be it at training camp practices or in the games, making plays. And even last week, the defense had a rough effort, but he was just a step away from blocking a punt, and all he had to do was do his proper technique, and he would have had that block punt. And then if you look at what he also did on special teams beyond the blocking the punts with Gunner, he did that well, and he almost had a couple plays in the tackles for loss. So I'm very encouraged by what he's been able to accomplish because when you think about it, no one in their right mind should come here as an undrafted free agent trying to crack the lineup because it's just that deep. But to his credit, this speaks volumes about what type of man he is and what type of player he can be. So I'm very excited about him, and I'm looking forward to seeing how his career plays itself out, even though he's a 25-year-old rookie. It is an incredible story and an exciting story, certainly for DeAnthony Bell. And so the Browns, just real quickly, for those of you who haven't seen it, the initial 53 and now current 53 as we sit here today on Thursday, 10 days out from the season opener, seven days out from the opener of the NFL season, which is exciting. One week from today, we will have real NFL football. The Browns will have three quarterbacks on their 53 as of now. Jacoby Brissett, Josh Dobbs, and Kellen Mond, who was claimed off of waivers. Mond is a third-round pick in last year's draft of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, was at Texas A&M, where he became one of three quarterbacks in SEC history to have more than 9,000 yards passing and 1,500 yards rushing in their careers. The Browns have the four great running backs. Chubb, Hunt, Dearness Johnson, and Jerome Ford. The six receivers we talked about earlier, the two tight ends we talked about earlier, Najoku and Harrison Bryant, and then rounding out the offense, 10 offensive linemen. And, Gerard, were you surprised by that number, 10 offensive linemen? No, I'm surprised it wasn't more, Nathan, especially after what we experienced last year. Think about how our depth just got disemboweled last year and how we were just struggling to find guys and had guys playing multiple different positions. So, for me, no, 10 make it. I mean, what we went through last year, I would not have an issue with it being more, to be honest with you, because that really, the strength of our football team was our offensive line, and it got decimated last season. So that does not surprise me at all. So the 10 linemen, your five starters, of course, Wills, Betonio, Ethan Posick, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin, your backups, Chris Hubbard, James Hudson at the tackle spots, Michael Dunn's your backup center, you've got Yelda Froholt, and, and Drew Forbes, who made this team also a pretty wild story. Forbes, yeah. 2019 sixth-round pick, opts out in 2020 for COVID, comes back in 2021, get gets hurt, misses the entire season, comes back this year, and makes this football team. That's a great story. So that's your ten, your 25 on offense. Defense, five defensive ends now. You've got your big three in Miles, Clowney, and Alex Wright, Chase Winovich, and then Isaiah Thomas, who you drafted, your four defensive ends, uh, Tommy Togiai, Perry on Winfrey, and your starters, Jordan Elliott and Taven Bryan. Six linebackers. And here's another fun story in this one. You got your four starters, Anthony Walker, JOK, Jacob Phillips, Sione Taki Taki, Tony Fields, who you drafted last year, makes it. And then Jordan Kunashik, who joined this team <laughs> Cal basically Bears. two weeks ago of Cal Golden Bear. A heck of a nice kid, too, by the way. I've gotten a chance to talk to him uh, quite a bit. And he just made every play, was in the right place, learned the defense quickly, didn't miss tackles. 
That's a cool story, guy who's been in the league for three years, bouncing around on special teams with Carolina and the Washington football team, now may have found a home here with the Cleveland Browns. Exactly. And I remember actually when he pulled up to the facility, I was like, did we bring in another tight end? Turns out he was a linebacker. (laughs) And to his credit, guys in the right spots and in his situation, what do you want to do? You want to show up and show out on special teams. And, Nathan, every time you turn on the special teams coverage kick, he's around the ball or making a tackle. That's exactly what they need him to do. And on defense, he made plays as well. So if there is some type of a issue where you need to have a guy to go in, he knows where to be and to get around the football. So that only helped his cause. So that is a heck of a story as well because he was a late, late addition, as you just described, to our training camp. Yeah, it's one of those situations. The more you can do, and real quickly, 10 defensive backs, five corners, Denzel Ward, uh, Greedy Williams, Greg Newsom, MJ Emerson, AJ Green, and then the five safeties for the Browns, the three I mentioned earlier, John, Grant, Ronnie, Rich LeCount, and D. Anthony Bell, and the specialists, Corey Bohorquez, your kicker, Cade York, your long snapper, Charlie Hewlett. Those are the initial 53-4, your Cleveland Browns. But fans, mark your calendars for face-off on the lake, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium on February 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines right here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets will officially go on sale to the public at 10 a.m. on Wednesday, September the 7th. Tickets start at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440 891 When we return, we'll hear from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns. You are listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Segura and Gerard Cherry. Welcome back into the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. And now we talk with the man for whom the show is named, Coach. You've got the initial initial 53, but I will call it the current 53. Just walk us through what's this process like because there are obviously very hard decisions when you've got a good football team. Yeah, it's you know it really is a process, and where we land uh, at the end of when it you know we finally announce it, it's not necessarily how you felt back in June. Things change; players play themselves on or play themselves off in some cases. So uh, it was a very very competitive training camp. Uh, really pleased with how the guys performed. Uh, and then, like you said, I mean, it was some tough decisions. It really is. And, and you're trying to weigh uh, positionally how many guys to keep. You're trying to have an eye towards the future while obviously understanding that now is really important. So uh, it's a process. I, I give Andrew and his crew a ton of credit. We, we have a lot of meetings as as a full organization uh, really weekly and, and talk about the positions and talk about some of those tough decisions and, and talk through it. And then ultimately, I think Andrew does a great job. He communicates what he's thinking and why he's thinking it. And then uh, he is responsible for putting that thing together. Like, do you make your own 53? He makes a 53, and then you guys kind of talk about it. I know that you're working together the whole time, but is there kind of like where everybody or, you know, each position coach puts together what they would like their room to look like and things like that? Yeah, I'm sure everybody does mentally, sure, <laughs> for sure. sure. Uh, no, Andrew and I sit down and put the depth chart up and talk and say, you know, what do you think here? What what do I think there? And and just come to an agreement. And I think you you challenge each other. You certain you have to. I think it's it's our responsibility to push uh, and and question and those type of things. But at the end of the day, you walk out of that room and and you're in lockstep. So when that initial fifty three came out before four o'clock, very kind of you guys to get that done before four o'clock. 
how many were there like three 53s that it could have been and then this was the one that landed or was it always kind of streamlined right towards that one i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I, i think it's it's really there's always a few spots that you're really talking through there's always a few spots that for the last two weeks you're kind of discussing different options and and sometimes again these are good discussions it's not like you're screaming at each other across the room you just really you want to talk through it and make as best as decision as you can with the information you have available to you uh but there's some really tough points because you'd love to keep everybody if it was a 57 man roster it'd, it'd be a lot easier but it's 53 and it's hard to get to it all right i'm talking to you day one of otas this is a hypothetical would it have been more shocking to you that your initial 53 and current 53 would have two tight ends on it or that DeAnthony Bell would make this team? Yeah, I think would neither would have surprised me. Uh, and I say that because DeAnthony is a guy that we're really excited about when we were able to add him post-draft. He was somebody that we knew a lot about going into the draft, uh, had done our homework on him, had a relationship with him. So... He was definitely somebody that was identified and, and felt like he would play well, so that didn't surprise me. And then when it pertains to the tight ends, I mean, it's no different than every position. You're just trying to make the, the best decisions you can with the information available. So uh, feel really strongly about Dave and Harry. Uh, feel really good about Miller Forrestall on our practice squad. Um, it's not an indictment of him. It's just kind of where we are uh, with our roster. And by the way, Zaire Mitchell-Payton is a unit. That is a well-constructed human being. Yeah, and a young player who got a lot of reps in the preseason and, and will continue to improve. We wanted him on our practice squad. We see a developmental player there. How much do the new rules, and you guys strike me as individuals that will take advantage of every nuance that you can use to your advantage, that you can elevate a guy off the practice squad three times? So in essence, the guys on your practice squad are actually kind of on your roster for three weeks. Yeah, it's, it's, it is an interesting rule. We, we've used it a lot in the last year, especially with COVID. But even without COVID, you found ways to keep guys on your practice squad that you knew were uh, certainly capable of playing on Sundays, but you, you were kind of hiding them there, knowing that you had three elevations and trying to be smart about when you made those elevations. And then all of a sudden, as we all know, injuries happen, so you have that player ready to step in. So it definitely plays a role I think it plays a factor moving forward with the current rules as they are. Because in some ways, it's not so much everybody's focused on, and I had to bring it up, obviously, two tight ends on the 53. There are four in the program, and all four, if you wanted to be active week one in Carolina, could be. So in essence, they are, but they're not, right? right. That's a, yes, that's exactly right. So we'll see how it plays out week one. Uh, but, yeah, you have optionality now with who you're able to bring up from the practice squad. And that's probably a cool thing because that's another part of game plan specific. There may be certain teams where we have needs that are different than other teams, and that allows you with this flexibility that probably was one of the best things. Having IR, people be able to return on IR, I think made a ton of sense. And I think this makes a ton of sense. They're in your program, so you should be able to utilize them. And it just makes it fun, I think, week to week. Yeah, so that's where the puzzle comes into it. And right. a lot of conversations with Andrew and the coaches, coaching staff and figuring out what we need game to game. Because then the other, the next part is getting the roster down to forty-eight for game day. So, uh, so you're not going to be able to address everybody. So it, it's a bit of a puzzle, but really it is so game plan specific and how we put that together. So as a, as an offensive coach, and you're the head coach, so you're presiding over everything. 
It's 24-26. Now you're back to a balance. It can change, obviously. We know that it will. Is that something that is really thought about that much? <laughs> not at all. Not yeah, at all. Not at all. Um, yeah. No. Just kind of looking at it and give us, give us the best good 50. 53 players. Yeah. All right. This week is kind of a unique week. It's not a full-on week that you would normally have. Like, for example, when you have a bye week, if you had a, you know two weeks to prepare for an opponent, and while you do and you've been not looking towards Carolina the whole time, is this week interesting? Is it always has the fact that the 53 comes out now the week before? How does it kind of change what this week actually is? Yeah, this week's unique. I think we experienced this last year. Did right. not experience this in, in 20 just because of no preseason, but definitely experienced it last year. And, and there are certain things that we found last year that we really liked and, and kind of kept uh, in the same vein, if you will, this season. Just felt like this was a good week to really drill down back into the fundamentals. You're through your preseason games you're not yet into true game plan you're not handing the players a game plan just yet so it's for us became back to the basics and that's in the meeting room that's in the weight room that's out in the practice field and i just don't think there's any shortage of drill work individual drill work two minute drills uh, red zone work we just tried to really sharpen up our uh, our techniques sharpen up what we're doing schematically and you can do that and not be on the field for two hours. You can do that in an hour's time if the guys work really hard, and they did. So that's what I was really pleased with this week. I thought we had a four solid work days uh, and then let them get a little breath of fresh air, You know, take a breath, recharge the battery, and then get going on Monday. So will you guys kind of formulate this game plan over the weekend, and when they come back, that's when they'll get it? You will. I mean, the truth is when the schedule comes out, you start working on that opponent right then and there. So – We've spent a lot of time on Carolina, really going all the way back to whatever that was, May. Uh, and then throughout training camp, you're watching their preseason games and, and getting prepared. So we're uh, we're on track. <laughs> we'll have that game plan ready. Uh, we're ahead of it. So we, we've it's not like there's more tape coming in. So we've gotten a lot of work done. But I stu- still want to stay as true to our routine as you can. So what I don't want to do is hand the players a game plan uh, before they go on Labor Day weekend break and and they, you know they forget forget sure. all of it over the weekend, so they'll get in, they'll get in earnest a game plan uh, next week when they come back. From an availability standpoint, do you feel good that you will have your full complement available for Week One? Yes, yeah, I think all the injuries that guys are working through are progressing uh, nicely. All right, Miles Garrett. Has to me, and I, you're around him certainly much more. To me, seems to have a different vibe about him, and he seems to be performing at a level that I've never seen before, and I've seen him be at a level that I'd previously never seen before. Is do you agree with that? Is that a fair thing to say? I mean, <laughs> yes. Uh, he, he's locked in. He's very, very difficult to block in practice. Uh, it's almost dis- he's almost a little disruptive. It's like, take yeah, it easy. There are some days where I, I need to just hold him out and, and let let practice uh, keep going on. But uh, you know, I, I don't want to single him out. Sure. Uh, but he, he's he's locked. He's he's ready to go. Describe if you can. You know, the, the play caller quarterback relationship is a very important one, a very special one. It's often a very collaborative one. Describe your relationship with Jacoby. Yeah, uh, it's been great. Uh, as everybody who knows Co- Jacoby and is getting to know Jacoby, he's uh, he's a very easygoing. He's very very intelligent. Uh, he's an awesome leader. So for me, I get to sit with him uh, in a lot of meetings, and we get to talk a lot of ball. And he's been in different systems, systems that I've been in, so we can kind of speak the same language. 
but ultimately, I think he has a really good grasp of what we want to do, who we want to be. Uh, and I think we, in turn, kind of understand his, what his strengths, how to maximize his ability. Uh, but r- really pleased with where Jacoby is. I know that Labor Day as a football coach is a work day. Do you have any Labor Day traditions or anything you'd like to do with the family, or is it not even yeah. possible? At this As point? I tell the players, we'll be laboring on Labor Day, uh, so it, it's it's a very important holiday. Don't get me wrong, but for us, we're, we're working, and we'll reap the fruits of that labor in Carolina, Coach. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, best of luck in ten days. Great, thanks, Nathan. All right, we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Hey, this is Nick Chubb. Hey, this is Denzel Ward. This is David Njoku, and you're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. And, boy, we've got a treat for you. Joined by Denzel Ward and Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. And we're here to talk about the main event on Saturday. Number two, Ohio State. Number five, Notre Dame in the shoe. Okay, already you're unhappy already. Right, you, get number two. They're they're second in the country. Two? Yeah, proven. proven commodity. Number five on the come up, and yet 17 and a half point underdogs as the number five team in the nation. Is this disrespectful? You know, yeah, I'm a I'm a Lou Holtz student, so you know we don't we don't do all that, all that. Oh, I want to be this and I want to be that. It's cool. We we respect the underdog. We we just do what we got to do on the field. We're not worried about anything off the field, really. It's cool. Now is the favorite. You obviously right, have a right. different opinion. You don't have to th- say things right. like that. Ohio State is the favorite in this situation. Yeah. What's the mentality for the Buckeyes here at the shoe under the lights? Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't make the, the point spread, but we just going in, taking a game at a time, and going in and beat uh, Notre Dame. So you did play Notre Dame mm-hmm. in your freshman year win? Yeah, freshman year, yep, got yeah. the win, got yeah. the win. You never got the opportunity? Didn't need the opportunity. <laughs> didn't need to. If you did, though, you would have won? By far. By far, for sure. Okay, all right, okay. Who wins in a fight? Touchdown Jesus. Brutus the Buckeye. Man, come on. Now. Look, <laughs> like, I don't even, first of all, I only got to go to Touchdown Jesus. Like, I can just, I can, get him, I can give him the grotto. The grotto will knock him out the park, you know. I can go, <laughs> I can go grotto, and we will call it, or the basilica, either one. You know, we, we got it's some. A nice basilica. Oh, nice basilica. You know, we got some stuff over there now. Okay. Some historical right. places. Man, we prove, we prove them. We don't have to talk about them, <laughs> we, we prove them. <laughs> Yeah, man, Which look. school has the best tradition? What's your best tradition at Notre Dame? Uh, best tradition? Not, I, I, it, there's no really no best because I think best is like subjective. You know what I mean? Okay. Like depending on what you value, like if, if you value spirituality, the best tradition may be going to the grotto. But if you value football, the push-ups a, after everybody scores may be the best tradition. So I, for me, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in between. So I think uh, the best tradition would probably be you know a little bit of both. About both, push both up, of those push-ups. About push-ups and, in the grotto. <laughs> That's probably banned. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably banned. Okay. I was just trying to combine your favorites there. Best tradition at Ohio State. Um, I'm gonna say the the band. I'm gonna say the band. Mm. Just like we got the best band in the land. So they would say I, that. I haven't got to see it as much when I was really? out there playing. So if I could get back this week, I enjoy uh, being able to go back best and watch band. the watch the best band in the land. Are you guys gonna be in attendance? Either one of you? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get down there. You know, they playing with them tickets right now, but you know, it's cool. I'm gonna go. A man of your stature, they don't just invite you back. Yeah. Come hang out on the sidelines. I'm gonna go take my buckets out out there uh, at that front place. <laughs> the buckets trophy out there. At the just play some knockout for some money. You're doing yeah, great yeah. at knockout. Nah, they could get a fun together. Yeah, I'll we'll be, be down there. there, and you as well. Potentially, yeah. I'm still debating. So still hopefully, debating. hopefully, I can't get down there. Okay. Yeah. If you were ever offered the opportunity to dot the I, would you do it? 
Uh, where at? Where, where at? At Ohio State uh, in the band. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. No question, no question. So I'll, I might do that this week if I can. So. The, the, no, the, yeah. If you go dot the I. So that's part of their, just when they do the script Ohio, and then the oh, guy runs right. out there and he yeah. kind of kicks his legs like this. He does some of this. That's fire. And then he, yeah, it's actually, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty cool. Check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can look it up in the lore. Yeah. All right. Gold, silver, or precious metal. Well, we, we should look at the value. You know? That's right. <laughs> oh, I'm a gold guy. I'm a, I'm a gold guy. Like, they say like, gray, yeah. but it's more of a silver helmet. Let's right, be honest. Right, right, right. Oh, so, you know, funny thing so is, I'm talking. actually a silver guy. Like, I, <laughs> I actually like silver, but at the same time, you know, gold worth more. So you kind of like, you know, what I, you know. Well, maybe yours is platinum. Maybe it's actually a platinum, right. which would then up it above gold. Like, I don't know. Who's to say? All right, if it is platinum, that's yeah. the only platinum on the, on the, in the whole, probably, the whole campus, you know. Our gold, we got gold at the grotto, we got gold at the basilica, we got gold inside of the classroom. It's gold everywhere. It's gold everywhere. <laughs> All gold everywhere, Notre luck Dame. Of, luck of the Irish. Yeah, luck of the I'm Irish. I'm trying to tell you, that's what we, we pride ourselves on. Because of the push-ups, would you say that the average Irish mascot or fan is better conditioned than Brutus, who has muscles from a suit, maybe not earned as a human? Just, uh, I'm not, that's not me, that's no. a judgment, it's <laughs> no, just look, a question. If you, if you go back and look at like our past leprechauns and stuff, yeah. that, like the students and stuff like that, like they all jack. Like, yeah, exactly. they're doing a lot of push-ups. Exactly. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> so tell them what's the tradition. Every time we score a touchdown, right. they do those amount of push-ups. Uh, so like, when we, say we got a person coming in there, we score 50 points. Like they'll be in, a, they'll be in the stands like this. Well, 50 push-ups. Crazy. The whole student, the whole uh, what they call it, student. The whole student section. Student, student section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whole student section. I like that. I like yeah, that. That's hard. All right, what's your best, like, what's the, when you think of playing a game, a big game at Notre Dame, is there, like, a song that they play in the crowd where everybody goes nuts? Is there a traditional, like, fire-up song? I mean, it's always the, the, the kickoff is always, you know, dun, dun, and everybody like, ah, you know, everybody's like screaming, kind of like everybody jumping and stuff like that. So I say the start of the game. So the Sunday game, definitely. Yeah, started again. And then for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, it's OHIO, that's tradition. That's right, OHIO. Little hang on, Snoopy. Hang on, Snoopy. How much better is playing under the lights in a game like this Man. than playing during the day? It's definitely better at night. The atmosphere, especially at the at the shoot at the, uh, Ohio State, the atmosphere crazy. All the fans is going to be filled up, 110 plus thousand fans there. So it's going to be it's going to be electric there. Did you like playing under the lights? Half of that stadium Saturday may be in. in and navy and, and gold. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, that's not that. I don't know about that. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it too, but probably not. <laughs> okay. But, no, I mean, our stadium is, is pretty pretty known for what we do in reference to the, the volume. No and, doubt. And especially at a weight tunnel. They don't like to come out that weight tunnel. It's very skinny. Very skinny. Yeah. What do you guys slap when you guys go out there? They're like a champion today. So that's a great tradition, right? It's a great tradition. Do you guys have anything like that on the way to the field? You guys walk along a lot of places, right? There's a lot of walking. Yeah, yeah. So we walk, see the whole family, everybody, everybody cheering. So get into the uh, stadium, and once we get in there, it's still another ways to go. Has anybody ever slipped on their cleats? Because there's a lot of walking. It feels like on concrete in that walk. Mm -hmm. Could be hazardous. I don't think so. I don't think. Not that I've seen. Okay. All right, good. All right. All right. Hazardous. They don't want anything hazardous. All right, so have you played knockout with him? Uh, probably one time. I think I won too, actually. Is this true? Don't lie. Wow, he won't tell a lie. <laughs> He's speechless says it all. Mm-hmm. Says it all right there. All right, you guys make the call right now. Who wins Saturday night? Got Notre Dame, easy. Notre Dame, easy, easy. I got Ohio State by two scores. By the way, that's exactly how we expected that to go right. with you two both picking that. All right, final questions for both of you, and this is an important one to me. Is Rudy a good movie? Phenomenal movie. Do you really believe that? I 
really believe, Rudy. You really believe that's a good movie. You enjoy watching that. Right. At the end of it, you don't want to punch Sean Austin in the face like, bow. Like, Rudy, come on, like, man. Rudy's an awesome movie. Like, it's a, it's a very... It's I mean, inspirational. It's, a of, it's like inspiration. It's a lot of motivation. I mean, it's just... It's thorough. We got a lot of cinematics, all types of stuff in there. Before you had ever gone to Notre Dame, had you watched Rudy? Absolutely. For real? Absolutely. Okay. You and AI were hanging out and we're like, let's throw Rudy on and you know, get inspired. AI was actually a Notre Dame fan. He's a he's a he's a he's a big Notre Dame guy. He likes okay. Ohio State too, but mm-hmm. he, he you know, you could you see him, you know, with the Notre Dame on, he got like this jersey, number three jersey on, let's say Iverson. Okay. So. All right. <laughs> I was gonna ask about the most famous Ohio State movie, but then mm-hmm. I don't know that there is one. I don't think so. So is that no, an advantage? We, we make, we make movies on the saying, field. Like, oh, we, we make movies on the field. We make movies on the field. You want to take your child somewhere that has the tradition, that has the football, the publicity, you know, the all and all. You go to Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> you, go to, you go to Ohio State. <laughs> when you look around the league, do you think you see more guys from Notre Dame right now or more guys from Ohio State? Sheesh, that's tough. That's a tough one. <laughs> you want that answer? That's a tough one. I, don't, I can't answer that. I ain't really look at the statistics yet. Smart. I liked it. You are, you're very wise in that you will only comment when you know the answer benefits your comment, yeah. gentlemen. Thank you so much. Appreciate Enjoy it. Saturday night. Looking forward to Sunday the following week in Carolina. Yeah. When we return, we'll go around the league. You're listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry with you. We want to remind you, though, that if you're married, You know the dangers of watching football without getting other important stuff done around the house first. The same is true with gambling. Not paying your bills before you gamble can lead to real trouble. So keep your priorities straight and get more tips like this at KeepItFunOhio.com. All right, Drive, let's go around the league. Little Some quarterbacks in the news. We're going to start with Russell Wilson. He gets a five-year extension on top of the two years he already had left. So a 33-year-old quarterback of the Denver Broncos gets $245 million, of which $165 million is guaranteed, putting his total pay for the next seven seasons at $296 million before he's even played a snap for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, he must look really good in practice, right? <laughs> yes. He gets that in preseason games that he probably can play in. But when I hear those numbers, Nathan, what stands out to me is the 165 because that's very similar to what, Kyler Murray got and I'm saying to myself why aren't these guys playing hardball with the idea of trying to get the 230 million guarantee because Lord knows that's what Lamar Jackson is about to do and is trying to achieve hence why they're having the stalemate in Baltimore over this situation I have to imagine so I'm if you're Russell you'll take it I'm pretty sure Sierra appreciates it as well but I was surprised he went to 165 and try to get more and reach that 200 million dollars so it's very interesting what that pertains to with Deshaun Watson's contract and what that represents. But good for Russ, man. And I think in this day and age, how things are and how they take care of guys, him playing into his late 30s is highly probable. So he'll, he'll more than likely see the majority of that contract beyond the guaranteed amount. Yes. And so he's at 33. This would take him through being 40 years old. Does he play out that deal? My guess is if he wants to, yeah. And so – 
it's one of those things where you want to advocate for a guaranteed contract, but I think when you're an established star quarterback, Mm-hmm. In the Kyler case, I don't know that he is yet an established star quarterback, so that's a little concerning. In Lamar's case, and, and with Kyler as well, because of their style, I think they're more susceptible to injury. True. But for a Russell Wilson, he's not getting cut, and if he does get cut, there will be suitors for him, or it'll just be straight up the fact that is at that point he's done anyway and he's made right. plenty of money. So I, I do think it's interesting because in my mind, quarterback contracts for the most part kind of are guaranteed anyway. You know, they're not going to – it's rare that you're going to cut one of these guys. Right. You know, they may get a restructure at some point. Aaron Rodgers will never see the end of that contract. Yes, he will. (laughs) Yes, he will. Of course he will. So I think for Russ, obviously a good deal. Uh I think when teams are able to do deals with this type of a horizon, as the NFL continues to make more money, it's going to continue to, it's going to become a better deal for the team. And I think that's going to be true of Pat Mahomes' 10-year deal and Russell Wilson there. All right. The top 100 players of 2022 have come out. I don't know if you saw that on NFL Network. Yes, I have I a conspiracy theory. I believe Aaron Donald was supposed to be number one, and after he hit the guy <laughs> in the head the with the helmet, they moved him to number two. And so Tom Brady was number one on the top 100 players of 2022. Okay, I know you love him, but do you agree with that, that he was the best player in the NFL in 2022? Yeah. My opinion what? is this. Yes. He was a defensive mistake running a, a zero blitz in, in a, against – which made no sense. Why run zero blitz against Cooper Cup and, and 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 Matthew Stafford? They don't run that blitz. Tom Brady is in the Super Bowl again. Okay, it was not his fault. It was his defense's fault that he did not. And that, you can make that statement about all the Super Bowls he's actually lost. It's been on the defense and not necessarily on him. So with that in mind, the dude is playing next level as again a a defensive mistake away from going to what, his 14th Super Bowl. Something crazy okay. like that, or 13. So in my mind, he's number one because last time I checked, and I know you agree with me on this, the hardest position in the National Football League is what? Quarterback. Was he play? Quarterback. And does he play it extremely well? He does, but he wasn't even the first team all. He wasn't even the first team all pro or the MVP. Yeah, well, that's people just tired of just mentioning his name and writing it in. I get that, but if you're the best who ever done it and you're still playing at a, at the highest of levels, how are you not number one? All right, so Tom Brady last year throws 719 passes, which is absurd. 5,316 yards, 43 touchdowns, both led the league. Only six. I'm sorry, 12 interceptions, so 43 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, <laughs> quarterback rating of 102. Hold on now, let me pull up uh, real quickly. What's so Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers was the MVP again. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers was and he went to the first-team all-pro quarterback again. He completes 70% of his passes. He has 4,115 yards. He threw 180 passes fewer than Brady. He throws 37 touchdowns and four picks, Gerard, four Four picks, leads the league in quarterback rating. Look at his division. He's with the Bears. He's with the Lions. He's with the Vikings. Of course oh, those, he's going to have the, those the juggernaut Panthers and Falcons. <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. You're right. The no, because you got to think about there. they won the Super Bowl, right? So their schedule is going to be harder. Well, they were played a first-place schedule, as did the Packers. Exactly, but. and he did that at playing a first-place schedule. That's my whole entire point. So did the Packers. They didn't play what the what the, what the Buccaneers played, dog. Come well, on, they just, didn't win the Super you Bowl. never know. Yes, so you you're do. Trying to tell based me, on your Aaron, division. So you're telling you me Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady is what you're trying to tell me. Yes, I would take him right and, now. And based on Super Bowl wins? No, of course not. <laughs> so how's he better? 
He was better in 2022. Tom Brady's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. I'm but the Aaron greatest of all time, but someone's better than me. That is even sensible to me. I love it. Listen, I appreciate your bias for Tom Brady. You should have it. And, no, and he, fact, he's dog. listening. Even so, that's fact. And you're, you're going against Cal. You're going for Tom Brady. All right, we'll be back wrapping things up here on the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Hey, this is Kareem Hunt. Hi, Browns fans. This is head coach Kevin Stefanski. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Fans, mark your calendars for Face Off on the Lake, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. On February 18th, the Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines right here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets will officially go on sale to the public at 10 a.m. on Wednesday, September the 7th. Tickets start at just $12.00. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. All right, let's take a look at the schedule for the Browns players here. The coaches, as we just heard from our head coach, they will be laboring over Labor Day, getting this game plan ready over the weekend to take on the Carolina Panthers September the 11th at 1 p.m. in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. The players, they are off Tomorrow, Friday, they'll be off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They will return here. The Browns will practice on Monday. They will be off Tuesday and get into their normal week of preparation. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Travel day is Saturday to Charlotte. And then kick 1 o'clock on Sunday against the Panthers in what is obviously a huge, huge season opener for the Cleveland Browns. We'll do real quickly a little stock up, step up. Stock up for me, the defense. I have a feeling that this defense is going to be elite. Miles Garrett is playing at an unbelievable level. Jadevian Clowney, we haven't seen him in the preseason. He will be inducted into what the South Carolina Ring of Honor or Hall of Fame. And and so then he goes and gets to play in Carolina that very next week. I think he's going to be have a, a great game. And then you love the back end of this defense. You like the linebackers. You like the guys in the middle. Jordan Elliott has come so far entering his third year. And so this defense is going to be the backbone of this football team in the early portion of the season. There's total confidence in Jacoby Brissett. You've got a great ground game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You've got an excellent offensive line. You've got Amari Cooper, the tight ends, the rest of the receivers. But this defense has a chance to be truly special and dominate opponents. And I think that is the expectation. That is what they are capable of. And that is what Browns fans certainly hope they will see in the season opener in Carolina against the Panthers. Now, in terms of stepping up, I think it's obvious. We all know the answer, right? And I won't single anybody out. I'll just say the passing game. The passing game does not need to be a top 10 passing game in the NFL. What it needs to be is competent. It needs to move the football when the football is needed to be moved. Third and long situations, pass on obvious passing downs, deliver in those moments, and then create a couple of chunk plays. Just a couple of chunk plays that will provide space and breathing room for everything else this offense wants to do. Jacoby Brissett certainly has the arm to do so. The Browns are confident in his abilities, and so this passing game, guys get open. When you get open, have the football delivered to you. When the football is delivered to you, catch it. It's really simple, and the Browns, I think, will be off to a very successful start on offense big holiday week and then we get rolling folks the next time we do the kevin safansky show it will be thursday night 
September the 8th, and we will be getting ready for the season opener between the Browns and the Carolina Panthers, the start of what should be a special season here in 2022. want to thank you all for being with us once again. For our coordinating producers, Andy Roth and Meredith Kane. For our executive producer, Jason Gibbs. And my co-host, Gerard Cherry, I'm Nathan Zagura. Thanking you for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. listening to the coach kevin stefanski show join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the cleveland browns this broadcast is a copyright of the cleveland browns and the national football league any other use of this broadcast descriptions or accounts without the prior consent of the nfl is strictly prohibited this is the university hospitals cleveland browns radio network Listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.